Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Finance Podcast, where we bring you developments from Guernsey's financial services industry. If you haven't listened to some of our previous podcasts already, you can do so on your preferred podcast platform or via the on-demand page at our website, weareguernsey.com. My name's Rosie Alsop. I am Communications Director at Guernsey Finance. We're the agency that promotes the island of Guernsey's specialist financial services in its respective chosen markets under the brand We Are Guernsey. For those of you who aren't familiar with Guernsey, the island's a leading global finance centre of substance, stability and security, committed to the cause of sustainable finance as a member of several United Nations environment initiatives and having been proactive in developing sustainable products and services. Today, we're talking about another world first for Guernsey. While we've become accustomed to announcing world first and innovations that emerge from Guernsey's financial services industry, such as the world's first regulated green funds regime, the subject of today's podcast is particularly exciting. We're talking about the launch of Guernsey's very first cryptocurrency fund. And I feel it's important to stress that this is very much hot off the press as Guernsey's financial services regulator, the Guernsey Financial Services Commission, this week authorised Jacobi Asset Management to launch the world's first tier one Bitcoin exchange traded fund, also known as an ETF. The fund is available to institutional investors and it will seek approval from the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK to list on the UK-based arm of the Chicago Board Options Exchange, at which point it will become a Tier 1 ETF. It was designed by Guernsey-based regulatory consultancy, Midshore Consulting, led by Managing Director Christopher Jehan, who's also Head of Fund Architecture at Jacobi, and my guest on today's podcast. I'm delighted to welcome you, Christopher. It's great to be speaking with you today. Congratulations on the launch. Thank you, Rosie. It's great to be here today with you. And and thank you. Um, it's been a long road to get here, but it's one that's well worth it because to be able to, to announce a first is uh, an amazing thing. It's clearly very exciting news, but um, you know, as you've just alluded to, I, I gather it's been quite a process to get to where you are today. Can you tell me a bit more about how it came about? Yes, it was one of those very unusual personal introductions from uh, an existing contact of mine in the city of London, who introduced a group of four guys to me who said, originally, let's launch a, a fintech and crypto fund. And uh, fintech, fine, Guernsey's done that for many years. Crypto, of course, we hadn't had a crypto fund to that point. And after many discussions, uh, they decided, following some of my guidance, that We'll do it in Guernsey. Um, and you're right, it was a very long route. And, and uh, I'm sure we'll go into that in a bit more detail, particularly around the regulatory journey. So can you explain to me a little bit more about the fund and, and why it's such great news for Guernsey? Well, firstly, um, there are a few other Bitcoin ETFs in the world. Um, there's currently, or at the point of, of authorization, uh, three in Canada, um, one in Brazil. Um, where this one probably differs from some of the others is some of the, the quality around it. So, for example, uh, Fidelity Digital Assets is the custodian there. Eh? Uh, Fidelity, as I'm sure you and many other people will know, is a top-tier investment firm in the world, one of the biggest out there. 
Um, so it's around creating a high quality product, but also one that doesn't participate in Bitcoin by buying derivatives, rather investing directly in the crypto asset itself. So in that respect, it's different from many of the other products out there, because along with the few other ETFs, there are also things like exchange traded notes that do similar. So I know that you worked with the regulator, the GFSC, to bring this into being. Um, can you tell me a bit more about that? Uh, what was their involvement and how did you find that process? Well, before we proceeded to a substantive work here in Guernsey, I had a very early stage conversation with the regulator to say, OK, we've not had a cryptocurrency fund here before in Guernsey. We'd like to set one up. What sort of controls would you like to put in place? Uh, or would you like there to be in place around it? Um, and then it was a case of drawing together a, a framework around those controls, then sitting down with the regulator and saying, okay, here's our control framework. They asked a lot of questions, gave a lot of clarity around that. It's more than one first, because not only is it going to be the first cryptocurrency fund, but we never had an ETF here before as well. So it was understanding the ETF part as well. After that, it became similar to any fund process, uh, but of course, we already knew what controls we needed to put in place. Where it did differ is normally an authorized fund goes through what's called a three-stage authorization process. In this case, pretty much stages one and two ran together, um, and actually it went not only to an authorizations review panel, which is um, a group of the executives within the regulator coming together to review a new product proposal, but it actually went to a, a decision committee of a number of the commissioners of the regulator. And once we got notification that the commissioner's decision committee had said yes, that was the exciting, okay, now we've just got to put in for final authorization part, which was only about two weeks before we got the final authorization. Wow, that sounds like quite a process. So um, were there many barriers to be overcome in order to get to where you are now, um, to get to this stage? And, and can you share with me, uh, if so, what they were? Yes. Uh, Guernsey regulation was not perfectly designed necessarily to fit this product. So even things like anti-money laundering regulation, which protects the island's financial services industry from abuse by money launderers and terrorist financers, even that needed to be looked at, and we had to ask for revisions to be made to certain pieces of, of regulation or modifications of rules for this specific case. So I'll give you an example. Um, funds that list on exchanges typically do not follow normal, uh, what you call anti-money laundering, know your client process. Um, that's actually a specific exemption allowed within the anti-money laundering rules, but that only applied to closed-ended funds. ETFs like this, are open-ended, um, and they were not allowed within that exemption. So we looked at the original sources the regulation was drawn from. We looked at IOSCO documents. We drew parallels, drew the lines, went to the regulator in the form of a letter and said, we need to, a change to the rules to be able to allow this. Um, the regulator agreed. It was logical. It wasn't um, increasing Guernsey's risk profile. So that went out for a very rapid consultation. So within a space of about six to eight weeks, we actually managed to get a rule modified. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, now, you mentioned it a little bit earlier on, um, the controls framework. Can you tell me a bit about that? What does it look like? Well, it was key areas of concern the regulator would have with a crypto investing fund 
over other types of fund. And there were five key control areas that the regulator was interested in. Two of them actually did relate to anti-money laundering. One was if investors are allowed to bring cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, um, how would we actually due diligence that Bitcoin coming into the fund? And in this case, we're, we're not allowing that. So that was not an issue. Um, however, when the fund itself buys Bitcoin, how do you make sure you're not buying uh, effectively the proceeds of crime or you're not buying something that could be utilized for terrorist financing? And, and there, they, there's a, a firm involved called Flow Traders, who are the authorized participant. They use a tool which actually looks at the provenance of the Bitcoin and the wallets it's been through to actually perform that level of due diligence. So that gave the, the commission a level of comfort. There were three other very key areas. One was it is a fund for institutional clients only. The commission did not want retail clients in the fund. So what controls were we going to put in place to ensure retail clients weren't allowed in? Um, making sure the valuation of the fund, so the share price of the fund was robust, was another one. And the final one was the custody. And again, I come back to Fidelity Digital Assets, the custodian for the fund. It's a big name in the investment world. Fidelity Digital Assets is, is in a temporary permissions regime for crypto firms in the UK and fully regulated by the Department of Finance in New York. So again, it was making sure we had the right firms, the right controls, the right processes put in place. Um, and actually, those five areas were identified at a very early stage. And because we identified them at an early stage, they, they flowed right the way through the whole project and sit in place in the final product. Interesting. So what's the benefits and the potential of this type of ETF? Are there other vehicles that are created elsewhere that can invest in this Guernsey domiciled hub? Okay, if I take your first question there first, um, the benefits, the potential. The potential is, is huge because at the moment, Bitcoin itself is, is, as with any crypto asset, highly unregulated. So what we've done is we've created a regulatory product um, around that unregulated asset to give more certainty to institutional investors in investing in it. So, for example, um, if you invest in Bitcoin directly yourself, you hold it in a wallet, you have a key. If you lose that key, you've lost your Bitcoin. Here, the onus for ensuring safe custody of that is placed on Fidelity. So it gives you more certainty because the fund is backed by a quality custodian who are responsible for safekeeping of those assets. Um, it's also the fund can avail of discounts in trading for trading higher values of Bitcoin. So those are some of the benefits behind it. Um, as for other vehicles, we're looking at a number of potential feeder ETFs or other vehicles in other jurisdictions to invest into this fund. So this fund will not directly sell around the world. So one of the areas we're looking at is the South African feeder ETF, which will be a, an ETF constituted in South Africa. Um, and then it will be um, listed on a number of African stock exchanges available to investors in those jurisdictions without us having to think about directly selling the Guernsey fund there. So it creates another layer effectively. Um, allowing investments from more domiciles. So it basically allows us to broaden the investor base of the fund. Okay. Now, you, I know, have personally um, many, many years' experience of working in Guernsey's financial services industry, uh, and you're something of, uh, you know, a renowned expert 
Um, I'm just interested to know what made you choose cryptocurrencies? Well, firstly, I didn't. I mean, this was the the the, the guys behind the project, the guys who uh, brought Jacobi Asset Management together. They came to me with the idea. As I said, originally, it was a, a mix of fintech and crypto. It evolved into a Bitcoin ETF. But when that project came to me, because it's never been done before, because it's new and exciting, that's why I decided that this was one to work with, partly to ensure that Guernsey actually maintained its place in the world at remaining at the forefront of innovation. Um, so for me, I didn't choose the asset, the client did. But the recommendation to put it in Guernsey was largely driven by the desire to keep Guernsey at the forefront of that innovation. Okay. Um, and, and why did they choose Guernsey, would you say? <sighs> Um, well, again, it was that personal introduction. I'm based in Guernsey. We discussed the domicile and others at great length. It was felt that given the connections that we have here in Guernsey, so, you know, we can talk to the regulator about making a modification to rules. We can talk to government if there's intervention necessary at that point. Um, you know, we, we're aware that there is an appetite within government for a cryptocurrency type investment vehicle. So, Realistically, a small jurisdiction like this, we can get changes made that may be more difficult than bigger jurisdictions. So it's the flexibility of the Guernsey regime. And a, another example would be we can get modifications of the rules that apply to our fund only. So in this case, to use Fidelity, Fidelity are a non-Guernsey custodian. Normally, normally an open-ended Guernsey B-scheme fund like this would require a Guernsey custodian, but we've got a derogation or modification to the rule to allow us to use a non-Guernsey custodian. Again, it's the flexibility of the Guernsey regime really lends itself to, to any sort of new product. And, you know, years ago, it was private equity. Private equity became one of those things that Guernsey does as standard. Many years ago, that was innovation. Now, it's areas like cryptocurrency that will be innovation. And we're well aware that not every fund would be able to get through the regulatory process, but the right fund of the right quality with all the uh, control framework being properly explained to the regulator with early engagement, that's what we can now do. And this is the case study to show we can do it. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and what sort of impact do you anticipate that this will have? Um, I would expect, and I'm already seeing uh, people interested in putting other crypto products in Guernsey and not just ones that are related to financial services, but pure crypto structures. Um, I think that we're not necessarily going to see a deluge, but we will see more interest because it can be done here. And therefore, that actually does allow us to extend our financial services offering and our digital offering beyond purely what we've done before into this exciting new area. Well, it is absolutely wonderful to hear about this exciting new innovation that represents a really great opportunity for Guernsey. And it's also wonderful to hear yet again uh, the willingness to listen and the can-do attitude of the financial services regulator here in Guernsey. I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. All that remains is for me to thank today's guest, Christopher Gian, for joining me. And thanks to you for tuning in. You can find out more about Guernsey and its specialist financial services sector if you head over to our website at weareguernsey.com. And you can listen to more podcasts of this nature. Check out the We Are Guernsey podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
Until then, it's goodbye from Guernsey.